That's a good man. May I tell you, can I open the message with an illustration this morning? Three people? That's it? Can I open the message with an illustration this morning? Good, because I was going to anyway. There was a rancher that was extremely, extremely wealthy. And if you don't stay with me right here, you're going to miss the whole message. Will you arrest your attention? Will you do that? Okay, look right here. Everybody look right here. This rancher was extremely wealthy, and he had purchased some time ago a prized bull that weighed approximately 1,500 pounds. He was registered. He put the bull into a large pasture that was knee-deep in lush green grass that was beautiful and would sate his appetite and his desire. He was fed with the finest of grain twice a day. And the person in charge of that would lose his job and most likely his life if he didn't feed the bull. In the pasture were seven registered, gorgeous, as pretty as cows can get, heifers that the bull was in charge of. They were his. They belonged to him. He had the great pasture. He had the beautiful heifers. He had all of the luxury, the finest of grain and oat. He was cared for. Veterinarians saw him on a daily basis. And one day early in the morning, the sun just peeking up over the horizon. His ears pricked a little bit when he heard the roar of a diesel engine. And there came across the other pasture a beautiful, red, gleaming diesel truck pulling a huge silver trailer. And his curiosity was piqued, and he gazed as the truck lumbered slowly to its destination. The ranch hands jumped out of the huge sleepover cab. They went to the back of the trailer. They opened the door of the trailer. They put down ramps from the trailer. And off came two beautiful cows. Again, as pretty as a cow can be. And he looked in the distance, and they were small in his eyesight. But they were gorgeous. He could see just enough that all of his urgings were stirred. His desires took on life. And he decided at that point, I have to have those two cows. But there was a barrier between him and And them, it was a three-strand barbed wire fence. It glistened in the early morning sun. 
Its beauty was captivating in itself, but he could see the little pricks on it. So he decided that it was worth the try to get to those two cows. He pranced up and down that fence line. He snorted. He measured. He, his chest heaved as he was calculating in his mind how to get all that weight over that fence. And he pranced, and he figured, and he looked, and his curiosity got stronger and bigger. And at that point, he backed up and calculated the distance needed, the amount of speed he must muster, the thrust from his hind legs that he would need, and the amount of altitude he'd have to reach to clear So he comes all the way back. He's measured it. He feels that barrel-chested front of himself with air. He paws at the ground, bringing up little puffs of smoke. He pants one time, and the ring in his nose bounces just a little bit and sweat has begun to already drip from his neck. And he gets back to the right place, and he snorts again, and he takes off for everything that he's got. And as he's lumbering toward the fence, and it approaches most nearly to him, at that point, he thrust with his back legs, and the front legs are barely clearing the fence. And the barbs in the fence start right behind his hoof and comes up his legs, down his torso, through his back area, and down his back legs. And he's bleeding and in pain, but he made it. And he runs as fast as he can to the two cows. And he gets there, and he looks. He's flabbergasted. He's stunned. They're both bulls. Which brings me to the title of the message. He got what he wanted, but he lost what he had. There are people in this world today that are seeking everything in the world that they can have and barely live for God. The Holy Ghost is here to challenge Grace Church to move to a level that fills this auditorium. Can I tell you, you can't hold hands with a devil and walk with God. Somebody's going to have to help me preach this morning. I can't do this alone. There are so many people in churches today, and I led up with an illustration about this man that preaches anything and everything, and that Peter and 
Paul and John are out of line. I got news for you. I have nowhere in Scripture that I can rebuke the apostles, the prophets, or those that walked right and were inspired by God. Heaven and earth will die, but this Word shall not die. It won't happen. You'll never go to the funeral of God. And there's so many people that are trying a precarious balancing act. They get what they want, but they lose what they have. This man that just stood and witnessed that this man had prayed more people through to the Holy Ghost in a week. And I believe personally that was a gross hyperbole. And it was just trying to pin something on him. But I've got news for you. That man had the truth. He believed the truth. He's got a mega church in San Antonio, Texas. He doesn't walk with God anymore. He doesn't preach the truth anymore. He's a people pleaser. He's got what he wanted, but he lost what he had. I look at Esau, a bowl of porridge, because he's got a hunger pain. It's what he's going to take, give, uh, get rather, so that he can have the, 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 this little bit of nourishment and give up his birthright. How many of you would trade your Holy Ghost this morning? How come we'll do everything else we want to do but fast and pray and seek the Word of God and witness and evangelize and work in the gifts of the Spirit, support the ministry of the church? Nobody's helping me this morning. I feel like I'm a dentist pulling a tooth without anesthesia. That's how well-liked I am this morning. Esau was faint. But I've got news for you today. There's something in the Word of God that strikes me. This whole transaction between Jacob and Esau was not about a single meal, but rather it was about the lack of the importance of the birthright. Can I tell you today, the birthright meant nothing to Esau, you have been born again. You've been born again. You've been given a birthright. What's it worth to you to keep it and to hold on to it and to nurture it and to feed it and to see it grow in the power of the Spirit? He was in line to receive a double portion of the inheritance he would become the patriarch of the family. He would become the spiritual leader of the family when Isaac died. And in essence, he said, it means nothing to me. What does this truth mean to you? Brother and Sister Nixon, you've been around a long time. You've been through hardships. You've been through battles. You've been through some things. What does the truth mean? I'll tell you, it sustained you. It kept you. It harbored you. It protected you. It healed you. I've got news for somebody today. There's nothing more important than retaining your birthright. 
Somebody needs to give the Lord a hand of praise. Does the future mean anything to you? What does it mean to this church? Well, we just want another building. No, it's not about buildings. I thank God for that. It's not about that. It's every person that is delivered from the gate of hell to the gate of heaven. That's what it's about. That's why you... The word says, buy the truth and sell it not. Church, there's a time, and it's now, that there must be an awakening in the church. The Lord spoke to me in prayer just a couple of weeks ago, and I said, we need revival of this, that, and the other. And he stopped me and said, you need a revival of conviction. Hilo Shandalamahaya. I read the Word of God. Sister Christy Murphy, I've read this Word through and through, and not one time do I see anything done by the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. It was all done by the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Why? He cherished the birthright. He was willing to do what it took to get a hold of the birthright. I can just tell you today, you can live out in the world. You can play footsies with the world. You can do what you want to. But God Almighty is my witness. You've got to be ready to meet Jesus. He's coming soon. We're in the last seconds of this world and its existence as we know it. This is the time. This is the hour. No wonder the prophet said, God hated Esau. He did for what he had done to the birthright. That's how important it was. When you receive Jesus in your life, and you develop a relationship with him that's of covenant. You can't despise your birthright. Well, God doesn't hate anybody. I get so sick of hearing that stuff. The Bible says in the book of Malachi, and it starts in chapter 1, verse in 2 and 3, he said, he said that, Jacob, I have loved. Why? He wanted the birthright. He was a liar. He was a deceiver. He was a cheat. He was in cahoots with his mama because his mama loved him more than she loved Esau. And God still honored somehow. I don't understand, but God still honored all that. And he said, Jacob, I loved, but Esau, I hated. I don't want to get in God's hate column. Boy, y'all are quiet. Let me tell you something. The word love there means that God accepted him. The word hated there, the Hebrew means God rejected him. It doesn't mean that he just wanted to send him to hell, but he rejected Esau. I don't want to be rejected by God. You had something and you lost it. There's nothing in that world out there worth going to hell over. There's not one thing. You can give me all of everybody's money and king of the world. You can keep all that if you want to. I want to go to heaven. I want to see Jesus. I want to be with the king of kings. I want to live eternally in the glory world. It isn't about God hating. You know what bothers me? I read that scripture again yesterday. 
He said, Jacob, I loved. Esau, I hated. It isn't so much that God hated or rejected Esau. I can't fathom how he could love Jacob. Think about it. How can he love us? We sinned. We besmirched his reputation. We have abased him on occasion. We have doubted him. And I'm just saying, God, how can you love me? You may get what you want, but you'll lose what you have. I looked at another portion of Scripture in Judges 16 and 4 about Samson and Delilah. Samson, preachers hear me, walked in an anointing that no other man had because it made him physically strong, not just spiritually. He walked in that, and he went to Delilah, a married man, Married men, don't go looking at other women. Amen, Brother Murphy, amen. Thank you, church. Sometimes I have to amen myself at my home, church. Don't you do that. I have men that work off. You know what I tell them? You get a picture of your wife and your family, and you put it in the hotel room, and you look at it. And when you're up there in North Dakota for nine months, and you just get to talk to your wife on the phone. You haven't seen her. You keep looking at the picture, brother. Is that good preaching? It's not the will of God. And this man is married, old Samson. And he goes down to meet with Delilah. Oh, there's people that love Delilah. Is there men that want Delilah? Let me tell you, the meaning of the name Delilah is feeble. Why would you return to weakness? The dog is returned to his vomit. Preacher, don't say that on Sunday. We haven't eaten yet. You'll get over it. Take an Alka-Seltzer and feast. But I'm telling you today, this man goes down to this woman whose name is means feeble. She was deeply in love, but not with Samson. She was in love with money. She was looking for 140 pounds of silver. That's all she wanted. She enticed him as he was sleeping. Brethren, don't go to sleep with your head in the wrong lap. That's good right there. I just threw that right in for free. Hallelujah. She enticed him. He said, bind me with seven fresh bowstrings, and you'll thwart the secret and know it about my strength. He started slowly with his lies, and he lied. Lying will bring you to no power. If you don't believe me, ask Satan. Ask Lucifer, he lied, and he has no power now. Now, she entices him. She gets him tied. The men come to take him captive, and he breaks those bowstrings. 
the second lie came as he was asleep again. How in the world can you sleep at a time like this? We're in the last seconds of this world. It's lighting up prophetically. I'm not one of those prophecy preachers, but I find nothing in this word that has to be accomplished in order for Jesus to come again. As far as I know, everything's ready. It's set. It's going to hit us in one second. One second will be what we are. The next second, it'll change. You've got to be ready. 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 She lied to him again. He lied to her, rather. He said, if you'll do this, you'll put me on equal footing. She complained about his lying. And he went back to sleep. Seemed like he slept an awful lot. Let me say it again. How can you sleep at a time like this? He told her to weave the seven locks of his hair and put a weaving beam in them and a pen used to hold it in place. But again, she called the men, come take him captive. I've got it. I can't believe they continued to trust old feeble. But some men will trust feeble, but they won't trust strength. I should have got a witness there. He came out of his sleep, but every one of these things he told her brought him closer and closer and closer to the answer to stop his anointing. You can't hold hands with a devil and walk with God. You can't straddle the Red Sea with a foot in Egypt and a foot in the promised land. You're either walking for God or you're not. Too many Pentecostals look the part, act the part, and they keep visiting the enemy. When she shaved his head, he then lost his freedom and his vision. You will lose your liberty first, then you'll quit seeing in the spirit world when you don't walk with God. And Judges 16 and 20 is one of the saddest statements in my estimation in the word of God. The Bible says that Samson did not know the spirit had left him. He kept inching closer and closer and closer to the enemy and defeat. But as he was doing it, he got further and further and further from God. You may get what you want, but you'll lose what you had. And that's exactly what happened to Samson. He got the woman, but it was such a short period of time. But he lost what he had. He did not know that the Spirit of God departed from him. What a sad state spiritually and mentally that God is gone and we don't know it. That's why people can play church, act church, 
do church. I remember as a child, we sang two songs. The third song sang, and if it was three verses, this happened. If it was four, it happened. If it was six, it happened. On the last course, everybody stood because then we were getting ready for prayer requests, and right after that, we received the offering. Then the preacher would preach. I could act Pentecostal all day long, and nobody would know the difference. That's why I love what happened here today when Pastor walked up here to this pulpit, this worship team, oh, and I love calling it worship team, had led us to the throne room, and and they're there. They've got us where we need to be. But, my God, what am I doing? i got to follow the example. i got to follow the leadership. People come out here in the front. They're in the aisle. What in the world's the matter with everybody? It's okay to get out here and do a little shout the power of God. It's okay to do that. It's all right to do that. I tell you something. I want so much of God. I am not willing to trade God for anything. Let me die first. I won't give it up. I won't give it up. I won't give it up. But preacher, you don't understand. I'm going to get a promotion at work, and I'm going to get a big raise. You may get what you want, but you better not lose what you have. Am I helping anybody today? I go back, and I'm going to go through one more example here. How in the world, how can the anointing leave and you not know it? How can it happen? It's happening to too many saints. Samson got what he wanted, but he lost what he had. I am not willing to trade the anointing for powerlessness. The Bible says the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestations of the sons of God. You better be on guard to do it. Can I give you a personal example? And I can do nothing without God. Do you all understand that? Everybody understand? I can't do a thing. August the 22nd, Tiffany's wedding. We had got through with it. My wife and I were exhausted. I thought I dreamed I worked in a muffler shop, and I woke up exhausted. Social Security joke, you'll get it when you're 65. They all wanted to go to Tunks, great place to eat seafood right outside of Alexandria. We go to Tunks. God's dealing with you guys' lives, isn't he? Is he drawing you closer to the to him? Is he pulling? You feel that pull? That tug, it's happening. I saw it today. He's drawing you, but he won't pull you. You got to walk to it. You got to want it. So we all go to eat. We're sitting at the table. And this man that I later find out is 89. He walks by my table. His son's holding him. And he gets to my back. This is my great nephew. I can do this to him. And he falls over on me. And I thought I had another person in my lap. But he got up. He walked out the door, and I don't mean to be too plain, but you've got to get a mental image. He walked out the doors, turned to the right, sat down on a pew, an old church pew, and lost all of his bodily fluids, and he turned ashen. 
My son runs out there. He's a paramedic, right? Two of my grandsons are first responders. They're out there, Sister Annette. There's an RN that goes out there, and she's on the phone with 911. And she, I hear her as I come out say, he's in his death breath. Nothing. They worked. They talked. They did what they could. And the Lord nudged me very gently, Brother Jason. He said, pray for him. I walked over, and I got in front of him. And I just said real quietly in the name of Jesus, and I went through the whatever the prayer was. Immediately, Sister Nixon, he opened his eyes. His color came. My son said, what's your name? He said, Huey. He said, what day is it? He told him the date, the time, all that stuff they asked him. EMTs got there. All that stuff happened. They took him to the hospital. We were in that same restaurant. I believe it was last week. And I asked the, the manager, I said, d d whatever happened to that guy? She said, you mean Huey? I said, yeah, Huey. She said, oh, him and my dad are great friends. He calls him every week and they visit on the phone. That's been since August the 22nd. What am I telling you? I do not ever want to get to the place where the power of God's left me and I don't know it. There's stuff in that world that might be appealing. You may get what you want, but you'll lose what you have. There's nothing worth trading this experience of the baptism of the Holy Ghost for. I got news for you. It's got to be more prevalent in the church now than ever before. We need a strong defense. Y'all heard it. We need a strong defense, but we need a stronger offense for the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church of the living God. The world's got nothing, Sister Dean, that I want out there. I want more of God. I want more of the Holy Ghost. I want more of the power of the Spirit. I want more anointing. I want more of God. Somebody give the Lord a hand of praise, would you? Believe it or not, I'm almost finished. Judas in Matthew 27, 1 through 5. I want you to get a picture. Are the pictures okay? Y'all getting them? Get the picture. Judas Iscariot had Jesus personally for three and a half years. Personally. He witnessed Jesus performed 39 supernatural miracles documented. This Jesus was the Savior. He was the healer. He was the miracle worker. He was the standard by which every man and woman would be judged by for the rest of the history of this world. How do we measure up to Jesus? Can you imagine? Judas Iscariot. This comes to me, I think, weird sometimes. Can I get an amen, baby? Yeah, she'll, she'll amen men. I think a little differently. I put mayonnaise on roast beef and rice and gravy, okay? I put mayonnaise on chicken and rice, Okay. I put mayonnaise on banana pudding if I want to. I've never done it, but I will.
Just think about it. Lazarus is dead. Four days in the sepulcher, and he's stinking. But his spirit and soul have gone to Abraham's bosom. And Judas Iscariot is there with Jesus Christ. When the stone is rolled away, and Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. I just imagine in my little mind, Bible doesn't say it, but Lazarus said, I don't want to go back. No, I'm not leaving. Yeah, come on back. No, sir, I made it. I'm not coming back. He interrupted the eternity of Lazarus. Now, that takes a lot of nerve. But when you're God in the flesh, you can do anything. Some of y'all don't believe what I'm saying to you, but it's the truth. Have you ever thought about it? Lazarus, you got it made, and the Lord said, come back, bud. No, I don't care what Mary and Martha, let them two old women bicker. Let them keep the house clean. Let them argue, fuss, and fight. I'm finally at peace here. No reflection on ladies. I've got it made. He got what he wanted. And he had lost what he had. Isn't that awesome? In that predicament. But he comes back from the glory world. Abraham's bosom as the Jews turned it. And he comes back and he inhabits a dead stinking body again. And the Lord calls him out. Judas Iscariot saw that. But for 30 pieces of silver, he got it. He got what he wanted, but he lost what he had. And Judas didn't even keep what he wanted. Judas betrayed the one that restored the life of Lazarus. God's dealing with somebody here. And I'm going to take a moment and prophesy. You've had a great experience with God, but it's waned in the last weeks and months. He you have an awesome church family. But you're thinking, I need another fling with the world. You may get what you want, but you'll lose what you had. Can I ask you pointedly and directly, is it worth the trade? Let me assure you today. That the cross of Jesus Christ is the only thing you need. Everything else is secondary. No wonder the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things will be added. But preacher, I don't know if I need Calvary. You need the cross of Jesus Christ. That's why the apostle said, I'll preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. Can I tell you today that the cross... Is wide enough to include every human being. 
It's long enough to last through eternity. It's deep enough to get a hold of the most guilty sinner. And it's high enough to take us all to heaven. I'm talking about the cross of Jesus Christ. You need the cross of Jesus today. So if you'll stand, I'm going to close very quickly. Some of you here may not have the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You need it today. It's a simple process. Theologians make it difficult. It takes repentance. Forgive me, Lord, for what I've done. I want to change my ways. Repentance always involves change. Then you're baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost speaking in another tongue as the Spirit gives the utterance. That's the sign that Jesus is in you. Somebody asked me one day why I have to speak in tongues. I said it's simpler for God to understand the heavenly language. That's his language. He gives it to you. He understands every language, but oh, how beautiful the heavenly language is to him. If you're here today and the Lord has talked to you, and I know there's people he's talked to, you said, Preacher, I can't change and adopt to a lifestyle of living like the apostolic movement. You may get what you want, but you'll lose what you have. There is only one in the Word of God that benefited from this. Jesus Christ had everything. He lost it all, but he got it all back. But see, that's the assurance of the Holy Ghost. You have that same opportunity to go to heaven. You just never had it yet. He's saving it brand new for his bride. There's somebody here today that's lukewarm. You're on the verge of backsliding, leaving the church, and God's talking to you right now. You're saying to yourself, the church has nothing. It's the same old ritual and routine every Wednesday, every Sunday. That's all I do. No, you live for God seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Your life is not your own. You were bought with a price. And the Lord's dealing with you. The Lord is talking to you. He's speaking to you. And you're waiting for me to say, come. Why would you wait on me to say, come, when Jesus is saying, come? If you're not going to listen to Jesus, you won't listen to me. Hello, the altar's open. It needs to be filling right now. People need to come and say, Lord, I want to reassure my relationship. You're coming soon. I don't want anything in the world, church. It's not worth getting what you want, losing what you have. Don't play with God. Don't play with God. Don't play, church. Don't play. Solidify your experience in the Holy Ghost right now. As they begin to sing, let me give you another opportunity to find your way to this altar. It's not hard. Get in the aisle and walk forward. It's not difficult. Halo shandalaya shatala mahaya. Halo shandala mahaya. Everybody come join us this morning. 
We've heard from the Lord. Everybody come join us today around the front. Would you come, everybody? Not going to embarrass anybody. We're not going to put you on the spot. We just want you to just feel like you're part of our family here today. Would you come talk to the Lord for a few moments? Everybody come talk to the Lord for a few moments. What an atmosphere. What an atmosphere and what an opportunity. What an opportunity you've been given this morning to come talk to Jesus. Everybody take advantage of it. Everybody take advantage of the environment right now. If you need more from the Lord, reach heavenward for it. If you need more from God, reach heavenward right now. Everybody, everybody talk to the Lord in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Come on, folks. Find somebody to pray with. Thank the Lord. Find a young person. Find a mom, dad. Pray with them. Put your hand on their shoulder. Pray with them. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah to God. Come on, folks, all over the house. All over the house. Talk to the Lord. Reach heavenward today. Praise the Lord. Come on, Grace Church. Pray. Everybody pray. Hallelujah. 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 